Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast, where we advocate for optimal wellness and reducing everyday toxic loads, no matter where life takes you. I'm Dr. Cece, doctor in nursing practice, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and a crunchy mama. I'm Anna Kate, a medical mystery overachiever and your discovery liaison. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore the world of holistic health, cutting edge research, and practical solutions for a healthier life. Together, we'll navigate through the complexities of wellness, sharing valuable insights, and expert advice. Tune in to the Discovery Doc Podcast. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and discover a whole new way of looking at your health. Welcome back to the Discovery Doc Podcast. I'm here with your host, Dr. Cece, functional medicine nurse practitioner, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and crunchy mama of three, almost four, and my co-host, Anna Kate. I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And again, we have another beautiful face with us. We do. We have Dr. Stephanie with us today. Thank you, Dr. Stephanie, so much for meeting with us. Dr. Stephanie is a leading integrative psychiatrist in the good old state of Texas and also a mom of four, which we can talk all about because I'm soon to be have my fourth, um, as well as a spouse. Thank you, Dr. Being on here with us, we are so excited to dive in to our topic, which this month on the Discovery Doc podcast is all about mental health. And so we wanted to bring on a special guest that can elaborate in the world of burnout. Before we dive into that, can you please just tell our community, educate our community on who you are, how you got to where you are, kind of a little bit about you and your background? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Dr. Stephanie Reinald. I am a board-certified psychiatrist, so I went to medical school, and really that was a dream of mine my whole life. I really, from a very young age, had a fascination with medicine, helping people. I, I wanted to be a doctor. And so I went to medical school. That was kind of a natural progression for me. And psychiatry was definitely the bottom of my list. Never considered it, would never, you know, think years later I would be a psychiatrist. You know, I in fact thought I was going to go into surgery or some other um, critical care kind of field, like very high stress kind of situations. And I was actually very sick in medical school. Now, looking back, I had a lot of kind of weird ailments. Um, and really fast forward, I acknowledge there's a lot of stress-induced medical problems, but I didn't realize it at the time. And so I was also dating and then got married within medical school and then was actually pregnant with my first child. And so really my career kind of took second place to what I wanted my family life to look like and what I wanted values to look like. And I didn't want stress to keep ruining my body. I really wanted more time. And so I began kind of looking at specialty fields that um, that that offered a little bit more quality of life. And so I actually landed in psychiatry because I got a lot of time with patients. And that was what really drew me to that field. I loved talking to people. I loved relationship building. And honestly, I loved human behavior. I, I like psychology and you know therapy. And I loved like the, the soft science, the stuff that you couldn't figure out. And so Going into residency, I had my first child, and it was really that first year of residency that was a bit of a life-changing year for me um, because I personally had 
a bit of a rock bottom like health moment. And it, you know, again, kind of looking in hindsight, it made a lot of sense. Like I probably went into my pregnancy very nutritionally depleted, stress depleted, you know, from being a medical student, from being pre-med, from kind of working, working the grind for years and years and years before that moment. But what I experienced in the language I had at that time was a very severe postpartum depression. And so it kind of became several years later that I kind of ultimately healed myself, but already pretty early in my training, I became a little bit more holistic focused because I had pretty bad reactions to traditional psychiatric treatment, i.e. medications. And so I started asking a lot more questions. Um, I actually had a colleague at the time who was really looking a lot more at like nutritional psychiatry and integrative approaches. And actually where I did my residency training, which was at George Washington University in DC, they have an integrative medicine uh, department that's actually very robust where a lot of our research in this field comes from. So I was in kind of this perfect place to kind of see both traditional and um, more holistic models of looking at things. But fast forward, you know, I did train in a very traditional system. And so then leaving, all I really knew was traditional psychiatry, but I knew that it was failing my patients just as it did myself. And so I just kind of continued that ongoing journey. And actually outside of training, it's a lot easier to do because I was on my own. I was in my own private practice at that time. And so I wasn't answering to anybody else for better or worse, but it gave me a lot of flexibility to kind of learn more. And, but it really did become a very personal journey for me. Um, as with many people, 2020 kind of further opened my eyes to a lot of just um, discrepancies and a lot of systems that we look at for advice and our guidance that maybe there's some flaws to how we're getting truth and what we claim to be as truth. And so it, but it all really ultimately came back to my own personal story and how I could best help my patients. I absolutely love that. We, we tend to, and how many times have we gone through this and said this, but as providers or as practitioners, our own journey is so pertinent to how we practice and why we practice the way that we do. And I think, you know, school for me, it was a great baseline right? It's needed. That's needed knowledge. That's needed, you know, in terms of just the fundamentals, but I didn't gain the expertise or the knowledge until I was outside of school in terms of how it impacts how I practice today. So what did you find yourself kind of cherry picking and learning from and pulling from outside of school that helped you to, to develop into more of a integrative psychiatrist specifically? I mean, I guess it started with even comprehensive lab work, which is something, interestingly enough, you do a lot in psychiatry training and medical training, but then once you're out in practice, you know, it just, it becomes a little bit cumbersome, especially as an outpatient psychiatrist. You know, most outpatient psychiatrists pretty much prescribe medications. That's kind of the traditional model. And that to me was always boring. So I think personality wise, I always wanted to do a little bit more. Um, in fact, I actually considered going into family medicine because I always really loved a holistic way of looking at things. Um, but I mean, the one of the first things I acknowledged is that even for myself, we need to be ordering like a actually just a comprehensive lab work because I consider that like the low hanging fruit. Like if you're postpartum and you are depressed and you have no energy, 
what is your vitamin D level? What is your iron level? What's your ferritin? Mm -hmm. Like what's your thyroid levels? What's your antibody levels? Like these are low hanging fruit that again, they're not like completely the functional medicine story, but they're a quick win that can get someone feeling better very quickly to give us some more time to investigate, okay, now why is your iron low? Why is your vitamin D low? Why is your thyroid off? You know, um, and I think by nature, I'm a questioner. So I question a lot for myself. So I question a lot for my patients, but mm -hmm. comprehensive lab work and then just more holistic supplementation was kind of the first thing for me. Now, beyond that, because again, I kind of practice what I preach. So I also acknowledge, okay, now you get someone on this supplement protocol and they're on like 20,000 supplements a day. That's also not sustainable. And it also doesn't bring the kind of relief that patients are really wanting, which is clear answers. So you have to have a little bit of a game plan for them. Like, hey, this is short term. I don't want you on 20,000 supplements forever. I don't want you, you know, sucking all the fun out of your diet forever, but we need to get some things under control and under balance for a period of time. And then let's figure out like, can we loosen up your diet? Can we, you know, take away some supplements? Can we work to rebuild other ways that can help heal your body? But really and truly, the longer I do this work, it all comes back to habit change, which I find so fascinating because it kind of blends psychiatry, like human behavior, all the things I love most and your values, which I also think kind of brings back this mental health cap. Um, but it also is ultimately like people really radically changing their lives sometimes mm -hmm. and also coming back to what's most important for them and decreasing the stress in their life. Because everything, in my opinion, comes back to this a deep emotional and sometimes spiritual stress in their life that they cannot seem to get past. And even sometimes these biological factors, the supplements, the, the regimens, the protocols, the diet plans, sometimes even all of that is just a Band-Aid if someone is an incredibly stressful lifestyle that mm -hmm. they're never going to be able to heal themselves that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, that, that's so true. And we, uh, on my side, I see a lot of chronically ill patients, but I also see a lot of patients who want to get off of certain medications. They don't They don't feel that being on medication for the rest of their life is an answer. And when they come to me, I say, well, being on a supplement for the rest of your life is not an answer either, right? We're just replacing one modality with the next. So I love that you, you touched on that. When you have, when you talk about changing people's lifestyles, oftentimes people can be in such a rut where they don't know how to make those changes or make them sustainable. So what is your a common just approach to patients who might be struggling with making minor changes? Where do you even start? Good question. I think it ultimately comes back to someone's values, but, and we'll get into kind of what that means, but to me, but I think there's two ways I look at change. One is the big blanket changes that at least for people coming to see me, almost all of them need change in one of three areas. One is something in their home life, whether that's their marriage, their family environment, or just like the setup of their home, where they actually live, the organization of their home, the cleanliness of their home, the need to declutter their home, like something in their environment or the relationships around them. Two is something in their work. So their work life or student life, if they're a student, like something in that life domain 
is causing them incredible amounts of stress. And the third is their amount of connection to other people. So like, do they have a sense of community, a sense of belonging, friendships? Those are the big areas I look at because people need just overall sense of calm, peace, safety, which is within their home. People need a sense of connection to other people and people need a purpose. So it kind of touches on all three of those areas. And if those three things are off, which oftentimes this overlaps with a lot of times people's values in life, like most mm -hmm. of the time people hold a value to to be in connection to others, to have community, to have friendship, to to have a purpose, to, you know, to, to live and be um, in, in loving relationships. And if those three things are off, your health is is always going to be off, I think. So mm -hmm. a lot of times those are the deeper issues that people come to me and we can acknowledge it pretty quickly. I mean, most of the time it's like in a first session, someone's like, it's my job. My job is super mm -hmm. stressful. But for many other higher ranking values, like maybe they have a value of financial security. And so obviously their job is giving them a lot of financial security. So I'm not going to recommend that they quit their job immediately, but you need to start making an exit plan. You know, those are the hard conversations I have that, hey, th this is literally ultimately killing you. Like this is truly harming your physical well-being because of the stress that it's inflicting on you. Is there another way to meet that same value of financial security? You know, the harder conversations is when there's relationship issues, you know, whether it's a relationship like with children, like just being at a hard season of life. Like, I mean, I myself, my children are very young um, and it's it's a very hard season of life for me. So there's a lot of things I have to let go that this is not probably going to be the optimum pinnacle of my physical health because you are sleep deprived. There are times that your emotional needs are put on the back burner for your children. But that speaks to my value of family because that's a very strong core value for me. Um, you know, same thing with like a relationship, like a romantic relationship or a marriage, like that can be ultimately causing someone's physical health, which is very hard for people to hear and sometimes makes people feel a little powerless, but at the same time also makes you feel empowered that this really does have a very severe impact. Now, the question you are asking, though, is kind of more about these incremental habit changes, like how can we get them to eat healthier? How can you get them to move their body more? I think when you have this big picture approach, like, okay, how are these three domains going for you? And if those are also things that you can't immediately change, it's a much easier conversation then to come back and be like, okay, we can't change the fact that you have a crazy stressful job, and that is definitely probably the cause of everything else. But can we move our body a little bit more? Can you listen to encouraging podcasts on your commute to work? Can you get rid of other negative influences in your life that are also bringing you down? You know, like what other small things can you be doing? And so I'll usually just ask patients, like, what is one stupid, simple thing you can do to improve your health? And it's, it's different for each person. Like things feel like the, the continuum of hard, I call it, is really different person to person. Like for some people, mm -hmm. drinking water is really hard thing. So I'm like, okay, let's not focus on that right now. What is something else? Okay, maybe it's like a green smoothie for breakfast. Okay, maybe it's, maybe it's walking. Maybe, you know, fitness, moving your body is less hard. But I choose kind of the hierarchy of hard. So like I want it to be a super simple, easy 
like stupid easy thing for your brain to handle. And that's a really personal thing, like what people can handle. And then you just start adding small habits on small habits. And that's when you get really profound change over time. And that way it's sustainable, right? We're not setting unrealistic expectations where you meet it for a week or two. And then you're so overwhelmed with that one drastic change that now you've backtracked. So in, in kind of just your career and how it's evolved and how just your knowledge has evolved over time, where do you see now in your career medication fitting in with your patient? Is it or patients or client load? Is it very unique? Are most of your patients needing some sort of medication? Are you kind of choosing depending on the uniqueness of their situation? Are they coming to you to wean off of those medications? Just where, where in that does that the conventional medicine sit now? I see all of the above. So I see people that want to try the most holistic or, you know, quote unquote, natural methods first. I also see people that we've tried a lot of natural supplementations and it ultimately gets to the point where I think a short-term use of a prescription is the best way to go. Um, I also taper people off, you know, people that have been on drugs for 20, 30 plus years mm -hmm. and we're going through the very painful process um, of a taper, which I just want to say is completely possible. It's just a lot more gentle of an experience than probably what most people are seeing online in just a simple Google search. Um, I would say, I mean, because I am a psychiatrist, you know, because I've branded myself that way, that is my expertise. I'd say most people in my practice are on prescription medication to some degree. I just, I have a very upfront philosophy with people. You know, mm -hmm. I want, I want you to be on the least amount of medications, the least possible dose of medications. You know, if there's something that I think has less side effects, then I'm going to recommend that. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say, I know that green allopathy gets kind of a bad rap and I myself, you know, it's kind of what we were talking about. We don't want to just trade lifetime of prescription medications for a mm -hmm. lifetime of supplement medications. And, you know, and I totally, totally get that, it, which is not really true functional medicine. That said, I still do think that most supplements have much less long-term side effects for a patient than a prescription medication most of the time. And so... I think it is still actually healthier most of the time to be on a supplement than a lot of the prescription medications. And so if that's the approach I can get to patients and then patients kind of get a little connected, if you will, to being on a supplement, that's okay for me for a period of time. Um, but I use all kinds of medications. There's certain medications I just don't even really touch anymore. Like it's, it's pretty rare. I prescribe an antipsychotic. It's almost, I mean, I think I literally have had one patient since my private practice that's on a mood stabilizer. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, there's some medications I just almost never use now, but I would say generally speaking, you know, I use the whole swath of medications to my disposal. I just also, I give a very proper informed consent. We, mm -hmm. again, if it's shorter term, we try to keep it short term. I also will replete like minerals lost. Like if they're on a stimulant, I also recommend magnesium, you know, things like that, that I know these medications are going to deplete you of this. Um, or I just warn people. I mean, sometimes it's just about giving people fair warning that, Hey, 
these drugs actually have side effects. They both can deplete you of nutrients. They also can affect your hormones. Um, you know, they can affect some long-term things that we don't even fully understand or know about. Mm -hmm. And ultimately long-term they can lose efficacy. And so we need a long-term plan because this is more of a short-term solution. And a lot of people, they get it, you know, but usually by the time someone's seeing me, they've done all the things, you know, they've read all the books, they've done all the DIY courses, they've tried all the supplement plans. So they are, they're pretty bad off when they're seeing me. And so I try to give people a quick win because I know by the time they're seeing me, they've already been struggling and suffering for quite some time. And so I want to honor where they're at in their suffering and try to relieve that as quickly as possible. And then once they're in kind of a little bit stable, more stable place, then we can really talk about these functional lifestyle changes that are going to ultimately, ultimately lead to full healing. Right. There is, there's so, so much in there that I absolutely love because there is, I tell my patients this all the time, patients, I end up with a very similar patient population, but on the chronically ill side where they've just been through the ringer, they've been through everything, they've been on everything and nothing's working. And there's a time and a place for every part of medicine, right? There's a time and a place for prescription medications. There's a time and a place for supplements, whether it's homeopathy, vitamins, minerals, herbs, whatever it is. And I think the biggest aspect is just that person knowing that there's options, that their only option is not to just keep going or increasing a dosage or change from one script to the next. But hey, if you're on this one medication, and it's depleting your folate and B12 and your vitamin D, well, guess what? You're not going to feel good. And these are the symptoms that it can produce. And so just the fact that your patients have that resource of saying, hey, this is an option that can bring quality to your life right now, but here's how we are going to support you more holistically so you're not, or so it reduces the risk of you you know, obtaining those adverse reactions from it or adverse events from the medication. I think that's massive. And and yes, your point, just knowing that, hey, if your goal is to not be on a medication, we can do that, but we're going to do it safely, slowly, and effectively, instead of just, you know, what people see on TikTok. On TikTok. Yeah. Having a game plan is so important in, in any area on, in, on anything that you want to make a change in your life, having a game plan and the support of, hey, this is what it looks like. When you give me a protocol, it's like, hey, you're going to do this. It can take you six weeks. It can take you three months. I don't care, but this is how we're going. This is what we're doing. We're doing this now. This is the next step. So you have something to look forward to and how being depleted or other things like, yeah, you're right. If you don't have your vitamins or your minerals, like you're going to feel like dookie, like you are not going to feel, you're not going to feel good. So let's take care of that. The hydration and, you know, all of those, all, all of those little things, Hey, let's take out, um, processed foods and high sugar, like make those two changes and see how we feel mm -hmm. and move forward with that. I think those are all, and, and for you, Dr. Stephanie, looking at the whole picture and not just what's happening just in your office of what they're telling you about because you know it's so much they're a whole person they're not just what they're saying in your office i think that's beautiful do you find that once you start looking for more root causes that there are certain deficiencies that might be mimicking things like anxiety or mimicking things like low mood let's say or depressive affect 
Are you seeing that? Or is this something where patients are coming to you with a firm diagnosis and it's just about kind of how to holistically support them so that they can feel the best? Because I also have a ton of patients who are on medications and they don't feel good even on that medication. But do you see certain deficiencies mimicking anything? Yeah, I see kind of two subsects of people most commonly. I see kind of the traditional psychiatry patient who doesn't think they're the traditional psychiatry patient, but what they're asking of me is a little bit just kind of blinded just by the mainstream model that we live in, but they themselves maybe have opened up to a lot more natural measures. So they self-identify as holistic. So they're finding me. And yet what they're really still wanting is kind of the the pill for the ill, you know, like the you're going to fix, you're going to find one thing and then you're going to fix that one thing and then I'm going to feel better. And so those patients often need a little bit deeper orientation to the functional approach. That said, I always meet people where they're at. And so that person, if they say, for example, you know, they're depressed and we find an iron deficiency, which is incredibly common. Um, so common that I actually started doing iron infusions in my practice because so many people had low iron and it was again, one of those low hanging fruits. Like it takes so long to replete iron from nutrition alone. And, you know, iron infusions is actually relatively safe procedure that a lot of people tolerate very well and they feel better super fast. Um, same thing with vitamin D. But then, then is the question, right? Because I'm always asking in the back of my mind, what, why? A lot of these patients are not quite ready for that, actually. They're just kind of, there's, again, it's kind of this mainstream model that's just transferred to the holistic side that's saying, oh, well, the reason for this is my low iron. But I'm still asking, why is there low iron? And so that can be a, a several month, even several year process to kind of, help people through that part of the journey. And then the other patients I see that's actually becoming a pretty substantial part of my practice is these patients are actually referred from functional medicine providers who can't do anything more with them. So they've done all the nutrient testing. They've done all the microbiome testing. They've done all the specialty things that I also do in my practice, but these patients, they've done all the the quote unquote biological work. And so for me, those are often the patients, 99% of the time, they have some kind of unresolved trauma or other emotional health issue. And so those patients, I would say, you know, the, um, the, the missing nutrient is unresolved trauma or ongoing stress in their life that is creating an environment at a cellular level that is not safe for their body. And so I tell them, you didn't do anything wrong. Like you've done all the things to help your body heal, but your cells don't feel safe and your body doesn't feel safe. And so we've got to figure out why, you know, if you've followed, you know, the cell danger response like that, I think trauma and the emotional connection to that cell danger response is huge. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we need to do quite a bit more psychological, like therapeutic work to get people to feeling safe again, which often means removing some kind of trauma or some kind of trauma trigger from their life to get them back in a place where they can heal. Mm-hmm. Right. And we will, I, I want to get into how you find the root cause and approach mental health from your Christian worldview. Like I really 
We're gonna do that, but we're gonna do that in our next episode. Are we? We are. <laughs> Why? <laughs> we are. Well, because we. I want to. I want to put a pause here, okay. and I want to talk about that in our next episode. So, Dr. but I have a question before we go there. We argue okay. all the time because now you made me forget my question. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, no, I forgot. No. Well, think about it, and you'll <laughs> ask her in our next episode. So, Dr. Stephanie, how do people connect with you and find you online and all of the things? Um, what's the best way for them to find you in the interwebs? You can connect with me through my website, stephanierinaldmd.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at stephanierinaldmd. Uh, you can also, if you happen to be in Texas or just want a second opinion or a consultation, wholeheartedpsychiatry.com is my business. Great. And we will make sure that all of those links are down in the show notes so you can connect with Dr. Stephanie. Um, and stay tuned for part two. And Kate's cutting me off because we're trying to be respectful of Dr. Stephanie's time because I messed up today. And so now we're running late. So that is why this abruptly happened. But we'll keep you intrigued for part two. So it kind of, you know, it's like a it worked out. cliffhanger here. So y'all, thank you, Dr. Stephanie. Stay tuned for part two. We will continue this conversation that abruptly ended. And until then, let's Let's discover together. together. We hope you've enjoyed this journey of exploration and learning as much as we have. Before you go, we have a special request for you, our beloved discoverers. We'd be thrilled if you could show your support in a few easy steps. Step one, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to ring that notification bell so you never miss a moment of discovery. Step two, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us and helps others discover our podcast too. Step three, whether you're on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform, please share the Discovery Doc podcast with your friends, family, and social networks. It's the best way to spread the joy of discovery. And finally, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Discovery Doc. Stay connected with us for updates, behind-the-scenes content, and so much more. Plus, for exclusive content and additional resources, be sure to check out our website at www.thediscoverydoc.com. And while you're there, if you have a burning question or a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, simply let us know. Thank you, Discoverers, for being part of our incredible journey. Until next time, let's discover together. The content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast. The Discovery Doc podcast encourages listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions, recommendations, or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode. Each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one, may not be suitable or safe for another. The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct, indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. 
If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.